Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know, not to know what you believe, not to know why you believe it. We want you to know that you have others with you on this frontier. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. We've surpassed the one-year anniversary, if you will, of COVID shutdowns. That was on March... Whatever. Whatever. Middle of March. Uh You know, it's caused a lot of people to think about what we've learned over the last year about things that were kind of under the surface, but have since uh, become more apparent and more challenging and certainly more problematic in some aspects. And at the same time, it's helped us to you know reflect on how we've grown personally in this. And everyone listening to this, COVID is going to be a marker in our lifetimes. There's no doubt about it. It might even be something we remember for you know decades to come, certainly years to come of, oh, you remember this was the COVID year. And so I think it'd be good for us to talk about that. We want to talk about it in two ways. We want to talk about it in kind of the macro level of how we've observed other people, how we've interacted with other people, how you know things have happened over this last year. And then we want to focus on how we have uh, learned and grown as people during this year, because part of the problem that we have is we don't focus on how things are changing for the better as well, especially after such a terrible year. It'd be good for us to focus on that. I I wanted to start, do this for, actually, we're recording this on Palm Sunday, but this will probably be our Easter Monday podcast. And I thought it'd be good to do it for that because Easter Sunday last year was, for me at least, in my observations, a marker of sorts. Uh, If Many of you recall, uh, we were shut down for a few weeks. Most governments across the United States, most states kind of shut down and went to a quarantine at home uh, situation. And there was some hope, at least in my state, there was some hope that we would get out of that and we were able to go back to normal. I remember that phrase quite a bit. Uh, Go back to normal by Easter Sunday. What does that even mean anymore? Normal. I guess yeah, that's a separate topic. <laughs> but it was certainly something we talked about a lot leading up to Easter. Um, there was already a lot of pent-up energy and a lot of desire to, you know, stop being at home. Um, anti-masking was kind of the thing, but it wasn't as big as it is or it would soon become. There was a lot of religious freedom stuff and so forth, which I'm sure we're going to get into all that. But for me as a, as a pastor, I remember there were lots of conversations within pastors of the area of, okay, what are you going to do? Why are you going to do it? And how can we help each other? Because we realized, you know, even then, the pastors have this really uh, weird job to do during this pandemic and how we all navigate that's going to be different. So anyway, Easter was the first marker, I think, of, okay, how are churches going to respond during this pandemic? And of course, we had no idea the scope of what that meant. I don't think any of us thought. Uh, I remember uh, Daniel and I were going to go to Japan in May. And when the lockdown started, I was like, well, we didn't cancel right away because like, well, maybe maybe it'll be better by then. Yeah. (laughs) Did not turn out to be better by then. And we did not go to Japan. I'm not cool. But anyway, (laughs) yes, it went on. It's still, I mean, it's not even over, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yes, it, it was not, we didn't know what to expect then. 
Right. And, and yet, I think if we were to look back that Easter Sunday, how churches, how individual Christians, how pastors handled that would be kind of a telling mark of how they would process through the rest of COVID. Um, so we want to talk about that on this Easter Monday and unpack that. And we're going to start from the macro level. I'm just going to ask you, Ryan, um, where do you want to start? Where do I want to start? Where do you even start with this stuff? Oh, boy. Um, I, I think for me, I'm, some of this, there's overlap between just, you know, the wider, just the United States. And I think I want to talk more about Christ, like Christians, though. And a lot of it, you'll see overlap. But Okay, so maybe what I will do, just because we got to start somewhere, is uh, I'm going to start with just kind of a description of what I've seen from Christians during this, we'll say this last year, okay? Now, as much as I would like to say Christians good or Christians bad, it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. Uh, I guess I'd say it this way. I have seen some Christians who have been very willing to sacrifice and uh, love their neighbors and you know, none of us wanted to have our churches closed down, right? But did it anyway because it was important to keep people safe. And, you know, like churches who have, when they do things, they're outdoors or they're everybody's wearing a mask, like, you know, this kind of stuff. Like I have, and I've seen a lot of, like my church has done a lot of things with like helping people pay bills when they lost their job and food bank and that kind of stuff. So like I have seen some really good stuff that I would have would have expected to see from everybody, uh, but I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um, so I wanted to start by saying I have seen some really good stuff, some really neat ways where uh, as Christians, we've had to figure out how to be the church, even though the way we had been normally doing that was kind of thrown out the window. You know, um, I mean, I would hope all of us would say that we never thought the church was just a building anyway, but I think a lot of us thought the church was just a building anyway. Mm -hmm. And so this last year or so has really forced maybe everybody, but if not everybody, most people to really realize that, you know, you got to do things differently because it's about the people and not how we get together. And even some people having to change their theology because, you know, like I know in the denomination that Daniel's a pastor in, they had to make, they had to, they had, uh, some hesitation at first about can they do the Lord's Supper over Zoom? Because mm, like, mm. not like does it count, but sort of, you know, but like, because uh, they're not together. Like, it, I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying like a lot of people had to really think about that. Yeah. Like, what does this mean? And I actually think that's really good because it's it's something that forced Christians to really drill down to what's really important in our theology, like what actually matters um, and what do we do and how do we respond with our theology to catastrophe on a global mm -hmm. scale, you know? So so that, why don't I just say that first? That those are some of the good things I saw. Before I go on my 18-minute rant about the other <laughs> stuff, what about, did you, like, did you want to say anything about some of the good stuff you saw? Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of the same stuff. I saw pastors um, that I didn't expect actually start caring for their people, not start, but it, it showed me that some pastors really do care for their people in ways that I didn't really expect. Uh, and usually it's, this shows my own biases. It's usually from those who are much more liturgically conservative, where I mm -hmm. think that most of the time they're mo really interested in making sure their sermon's perfect 
and the worship service goes the right way. To see some of them act in the ways that they have throughout this pandemic has been amazing. Um, I've also, like, as a positive for, um, again, my own biases, to see more of the kind of theology that we're talking about that that recognizes that progressive versus conservative is probably not the best handle. Mm. Um, I think COVID really either accelerated that or just people were like, you know, to hell with making sure we are safe. We're just, I mean, we're, we're bored. We're in quarantine. We're not going to church. So we might as well do this stuff. And I have to spend one more hour with my family. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so I've noticed that people are much more willing to have conversations. Not all of course, but uh, certainly those that we would classify on the frontier, they're much more willing to have those conversations and curiosity has been reclaimed a bit. And I think that's really positive. Even, even some things that I listen to where they're very hard line on things, uh, uh, theologically, they're still, they're starting to shift because the paradigm has just been shattered. Like mm-hmm. you said, with Holy Communion, boy. Lutherans, uh, we have a hard time with Holy Communion, and yet there were people, like our church body wouldn't even, they came out specifically and said, you can't do Zoom uh, Lord's Supper because it's not really Holy Communion, and yet some people were still doing that. Because you know um, the Holy Spirit can't work that way. Yeah, right. Um, and other things, uh, like for me personally, I started to reflect on, there was this whole movement uh, within our church body to to just get the Lord's Supper to people, however we did it. And it struck me once that we I wasn't doing that, but other churches were. And as the pressure kept on coming for me to do something about it, I thought, you know, I just feel really uncomfortable because somebody could come to my church, get communion, and then just go down the street and get McDonald's in the same fashion. Like, what's that say about the Lord's Supper that we're doing a drive through Lord's Supper? You know, it's kind of... It's funny because I there's a church, well, there's probably more than one, but there's a church here that did that, not mine. But and I was like, I think that's kind of neat. Oh yeah, you know? just because it's like, is it optimal? No, but they found a way to do it. Yeah. And, but regardless of whether it's good or not, I, I think I enjoyed the the forced innovation it made people yes. do. Yes, that's and, what I was gonna you say know, too. Since I stole your point for you, <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Like uh, for me, that's where I was, and yet. I know, especially for us as Lutherans, communion's a big deal. So if people don't get communion, they start to uh, storm the gates, if you will. So uh, yeah. to have those those unique and creative solutions, I really enjoyed seeing that, even though I could you know, go theologically and say why well, I don't like this, that, or the other. Yeah, so I think those would be the two big ones, curiosity and the willingness to talk have been really good uh there there are small things here and there of course but generally speaking yeah i think there's been some really good what do i want to say like it feels like the niceties or or the christian niceties Mm. uh and the barriers with that those niceties create were no longer there and so people were like let's might as well try something if there's one thing an airborne death plague will do for you is that it will <laughs> right. it will make you uh rethink uh you don't got time for that kind of shit you know yeah i'm gonna time you you got 18 minutes let's see uh... <laughs> i don't know if i got 18 <laughs> minutes but man this if any if, if you've ever seen uh the christmas vacation at the end where he finds out his bonus is the jam of the month club have you seen this movie uh, yeah uh-huh. yeah and 
he thought it was going to be this big check and he opens it, finds out it's the jam of the month club. And he goes on this like four minute rant that turns out was entirely improvised. And he's just like, you know, that's how I felt a lot of the time during, <laughs> during this. Um, when I think about uh, mostly conservative Christians, although I, yeah, most will just, and I mean that in the theological sense, although there is, a hell of a lot of overlap, unfortunately. Well, um, as we've said often, we say conservative because that's just where we come from. Uh, I'm sure. And I know that I've made myself aware every once in a while when somebody who's progressive, they do insane shit and like, well, you know, it's no better on the other side. We're all, all just dealing with the same kind of problems. Well, we got to label people some way to talk right. about it, you know? Yeah. So anyway, the evangelical conservative world that I came from, <laughs> how's that? <laughs> um, go. God, where do you even start? So I think I have been every emotion you can think of. I've been ashamed. I've been disappointed. I've been infuriated. I've been uh, kind of nonplussed, you know, don't mm-hmm. even have, I always am plussed, but this so many times I was nonplussed <laughs> with the reaction, you know, yeah. like, just the sheer refusal to do very simple things that might save people's lives, you know, uh, whether it's wearing a piece of paper over your mouth, which is neither complicated nor expensive um, or difficult, right? Yeah. Um, or people who uh, insisted on having church filled with, you know, packed full of people, even when all of this was at its height and they you know, either they came up with some bullshit thing about God's going to protect us. And then spoiler, mm-hmm. some of those pastors died, died. of it. you know, not to mention all the other people or um, some people would just be like, well, we just trust God is going to, you know, and it maybe came from a maybe a better place. But I don't even like there's so many dimensions like I've been entirely ashamed of uh, a lot of the leadership from that world. Because what I have seen is, again, not everybody, but the larger picture, what I have seen is pastors who are more concerned with their uh, their own particular churches than saving people's lives. Like, I think that's the thing is like with all this stuff, we're not talking about something that might give somebody the sniffles. You know, we are talking about things that will make people die. We're over half a million people dead just in the U.S. from this. And like... What I could never get my head around was, yeah, this is not what I want either. It's inconvenient. It's terrible. And some of the things, whether they were necessary or not, it's like if there's any chance it would save somebody's life, don't we got to do it? Like even if that means our budgets are hurt for a bit, like even if that means we're not singing the songs we want or we have to rethink how we do communion, like uh, aren't people's fucking lives more important than that? Because it just seems to me that when Jesus said, love your neighbor, he meant uh, do everything you can to prevent them from dying on a respirator. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, so it's partly the the leadership has been, I don't even know what the right word is. I mean, selfish, sure, but it's more than that. It's, it's large scale abuse of the people they're supposed to be shepherding, mm-hmm. um, either for their own benefit, like personally, or maybe for some organization or whatever. But I just have been, I don't even, like, I don't even know what to make of that. Like, I remember, maybe that's a story you could tell, but I don't know if it was you or somebody else was telling me a story about 
a pastor in their group said, well, it's only 3% mortality rate. Yeah, that was me. Okay. And I was like, oh, well, only 3% of 5 million. Well, that's basically nobody. You know, it's just like, yeah. And even if that's true, which it probably wasn't, but even if that's true, like, Right. Wouldn't shouldn't we do all this to save two people? <laughs> you know, like any yeah. number of people's lives. Exactly. Like not to mention the long-term health effects and all of this kind of stuff. And I think there's a thing I could say about the political side of that too, but I, I wanted to see if you wanted to get in on, on that before I keep on this stuff I've <laughs> said before I just keep going here. Well, I think that's a big one. I think religious and spiritual abuse was rampant. I don't think there's any way that you can say otherwise uh, from leaders, of course, to lay people, if you mm-hmm. will, um, but also from Christian to Christian and Christian to non-Christian, use all those categories. There was just rampant spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, those things that were always kind of there were just all of a sudden there at 11, right? There were... Uh, pastors who were clearly, and I'm thinking like the celebrity pastors who are clearly in it for themselves before the pandemic. I'm thinking like, uh, who are the guys? Um, Kenneth Copeland would be a big example. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know if I'd call him a pastor, to be well, honest. You but know, the, but those type who, by the way, type. would be fine regardless of what happens. Right. Because they're already they, filthy rich. They were already doing schemey kind of stuff and just awful things uh, for people who needed the money so that they would send it in. I mean, I think Kenneth is the one who said, I need to fly on a private jet because there are demons in, in class and coach or whatever. I thought it was like the second private. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was that something kind like of bullshit. That. Yeah. And while that was kind of always there, now it was like just full on blown. We're not going to hide it at all. We're going to just be, completely uh i remember he was having that prayer service <laughs> a lot of people made fun of that about oh, was that COVID. the weird laugh thing oh no that was something no, that was a little right? bit later yeah no this was where he uh blew on covid or something blew the oh, holy spirit on covid oh, you remember God. that yes i remember that yeah there's so many things i've blocked i know them out. <laughs> but i mean it's a clear example of him you know, using his perceived power and in some ways very real power to do something just awful to tell people that they don't have to worry about COVID at all. Right. Um, and that's just one minor example. And it, it goes all the way down to everyday pastors and folks too. It doesn't right. need to be the, the celebrity pastors. If it were just the slimy televangelists, I mean, that's still terrible, but it's almost what you expect of people like that. Right. right? But no, I mean, it was, it was pretty systemic. Um, yeah. To have pastors say from their pulpits that if you wear a mask, you don't, you don't really believe in God. You don't really mm-hmm. trust God. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's spiritual abuse. No matter directly encouraging your people to put other people's lives in danger and possibly their own, you know? Yeah. What shepherd does that? The kind that doesn't want to be a shepherd anymore, I guess. Right. You know? Well, to be clear, like scripturally, which we could go to uh, at extent, but it's very clear that the the thing that God does not want you to do is worship other gods. It just Mm. seems to be the only thing. And of course, we could talk about what that really means. Jesus calls that blasphemy, the only unforgivable sin. And the Old Testament is ripe with him saying he's a jealous God for that reason. Uh, I don't think face masks fit into that, right? 
How how white uh, privilege is that to say, oh, if you if you wear a mask, then you're not really trusting in God. I mean, just the abuse there is obvious. No, I, I will say that kind of thing has been around for a long time. I mean, it's I know in the especially in the past, but still some today in the Pentecostal world, like not the part I was a part of, but there are still ones you'll find who won't go to doctors because they believe it means they didn't have enough faith. You know, they won't use medicine, that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, I think the mask thing plays right into that. But the thing is, these are not the, like, those are a small minority of people and they weren't the only one. I mean, most, many, we'll say many, many. It was more mainstream. Yeah, we're doing this, you know. Um, and being vocal about it, right? It's not just that they said, well, we're going to have church. It's like, we're going to emblazon it in the sky, right? We're going to hire some (laughs) skywriters to say, uh, fuck you, everybody else come worship Jesus and die with us. You know, I mean, it's just, and then, uh, the spiritual abuse, this is always what happens with spiritual abuse. Then it gets passed on. Right. Mm -hmm. So then you have neighbors yelling at other neighbors and then you get the, the anti-mask freak out, which of course is also political, but there's a Christian component to that. And you can very well see Christians getting upset during services where there are folks wearing masks or not, or whatever it is. Yeah. It's just it, the abuse was rampant. That's how I kind of heard what you were saying, at least was abuse. Well, yeah, the abuse. And then also just from the top on down. And I think maybe not just for Christians, you see this a lot everywhere is just I think what has really been evident to me is how damn selfish everybody is. And mm. it's not like I'm exempt from selfishness. I'm not. We all are selfish. Everybody is. However, <laughs> what we've learned, and I guess there's other ways in America that we already knew this, but what we've learned is people are not willing to be even moderately inconvenienced, even if it means people, fewer people will die. Yeah. Uh, right. Like, like I hear, you'd hear, oh, that's, that's another side issue is you'd hear lots of people who weren't scientists using the Bible to somehow claim <laughs> that, right. you know, diseases don't work the way they do. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, what would Dr. Fauci know about it? He's only one of the most pre- pre- know, uh, prominent right? epidemiologists in the fucking world. I'm not willing to even be like, let's say, you know what? I wear, I, I wear glasses. Masks are a pain in the ass. They really are. I would go see people who have COVID and I'd have to wear the the heavy duty ones. And those are even worse, right? Mm -hmm. For a while, I had to wear those everywhere, whether they had it or not. And yeah, it sucked. But you know, it didn't suck. People not dying, right? Like, I'd rather have my glasses fog up sometimes, um, not to mention those protected me too. But Mm -hmm. just like, or is it whether it's the mask or it's well, we're going to have church because we miss it. We mm-hmm. want to have church. We like have well, I like having church too, but I feel like I'm a broken record of, but I like people alive yeah, more. Right. <laughs> like you should just carry that sign around with you. I know. It's just like, you know <laughs> I like people being alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's save as many people as we can because I thought as Christians we're supposed to love each other, you know? Yeah. Like for me to put that in my words, it's been incredibly shocking. Uh, it's not the most surprising thing, but it's been incredibly shocking to see the lack of compassion. And I mm-hmm. say that because, you know, I always kind of knew that the religion we were taught was a selfish religion. It's more like Jesus saying, you know, test the fruit type thing. Mm. It seems very clear that the fruits of what our religion that we've been taught is focus on yourself. Don't worry about anything else. It's all about you. And yeah. 
that is how Christians in large, I mean, of course, our nation, but since we're talking about Christians, Christians by and large have acted that way. Yeah, I mean, I think in, in relation to that, what I've seen is Christians become the very thing they project on and accuse non-Christians of being, right? Yeah. Um, you know, concerned only with themselves, selfish, sinning, what, whatever words you want to use. Right. And I guess, you know, projection is a hell of a drug, right? But, <laughs> um, it, but I mean, it's not even like, like I said, I've had selfish moments during all this. I'm not trying to say that I'm like any of us are exempt from it. But it's like, yeah, well, we all feel selfish, but then what do you do? You know, right. like, what do you do when you feel that way? You find a way to help other people, even and especially when it's not what I would prefer. Um, yeah. You know, I just, I think it also has not gone unnoticed. You know, you and I are not the, the first people right. to point this out. And I know that the general idea from the conservative evangelical world is, fuck it, we don't care, you know. Um, we don't care what people think of us. We don't care uh, what picture, what image we put out there. But it's like, well, I honestly don't know how much lower we can go at this point. Yeah. I mean, whether it's the incestuous political relationship with Republicans and Donald Trump, of all people, um, to the selfishness, like this kind of stuff, to the science denial, to the all of it is like, Okay, well, apparently you can do what you want, but in terms of like the world I came from talked a lot about preserving your witness, you know, mm -hmm. being able to tell people mm -hmm. about Jesus and preach the gospel. Well, good fucking luck, you yeah. know, like right. clearly God's going to have to work a miracle because you've taken, I mean, it's like we've done everything we possibly could to be that one servant in the parable that buries everything in the ground. Right. You know, it's just like I normally... Try, I, I always worry about being like hypocritical or judgmental, but it's like, you know what? I don't care. We're all hypocrites, but this is still terrible. Yeah, like what right. I'm seeing is awful and evil and wrong and sinful, even if I'm guilty of some of the same things sometimes, you know? Yeah, right. So, ah. yeah. <laughs> it's been awful. So we've got spiritual abuse. We've got uh, selfishness, selfishness, lack of compassion. You kind of mentioned two in passing that's really important. One that we probably don't need to talk about too much, but we can, is the incestual relationship right. between politics and Christianity. Uh, and the one that I think is more fascinating for this particular conversation is the denial of science. Yeah. You know, we, we moved from uh, categorizing evolution as a belief system rather than a scientific theory, and then we went to doing that towards climate change and now we're doing it for virus reality vaccines like vaccines, vaccines yeah. anti-vax is becoming uh -huh. more of a thing right now although i will say that's not limited to christians you got no but the adoption by christians of anti-vax is just uh very alarming mm -hmm. uh and certainly problematic for <laughs> how we see science and in the relationship we are have with the world yeah, so for me, the problem is uh, part of that protecting your witness, if you will, or whatever the phrase is. Whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's more like, you know, can you show that you're a rational human being? I mean, we have Could this. try. Could you just discourse. try? Yeah, we have this discourse around science and. The bar's you know, awfully low these days. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but the more alarming and problematic part of this, I think, is all of these moves are kind of moving us towards uh, a very Christian isolationism, which mm-hmm. is a very alarming to me because it, it's not only saying that there's such a border between the in and the out, which is a problem that we could discuss at some time, but it's it's creating a wall <laughs> around the the in circle and saying, if you come close to this, then you're going to be destroyed or, uh, and really hunkering down and, and being okay with it. Like you said, a lot of people are going to say, well, who cares? Well, that's a huge problem if what we really believe is that we are to be the light of the world, right? If we're supposed to be the salt of the earth, if you will. Um, yeah, we're not hiding it under a bushel. I think we've buried it down in the coal mines at this yeah, point. Yeah, Exactly. And, you know, we can take that from the evangelical point of view of like having to proclaim and proselytize, but you can also just take it from the perspective that I would say is mine is, well, you know, you show who you are and you live as a Christian, then uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit will take care of it from there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll change the world, which would be great, at least your world. And who knows, maybe somebody will realize that um, Jesus Christ is someone they feel is worth following. Um, well, and yeah, and I, so I think I was just thinking about because you mentioned all the there's the science denial in general. I think the other things though are, are kind of the same thing. Like the refusal to do anything about climate change is the same kind of thing, right? It's just all the horrible death was deferred <laughs> and mm-hmm. made maybe will happen after we're dead. Although these days it doesn't seem like it, yeah, you know, right. um, but it's the same kind of thing. It's like, I'm not willing to have my life be inconvenienced in order to help save the literal planet. Um, not to mention right. the people that live there, you know, yeah. um, to the, uh, I don't know. Does it tie into the evolution one too? Maybe I'm not sure on that one, but um, like, no, that probably ties more into anti-intellectualism. Yeah, but the the vaccine one does too, because again, it's like, well, I'm going to put the needs uh, or my own beliefs above the safety of everybody else, right? Yeah, um, right? Not to mention making the choice for my child who can't choose for themselves, but that's a separate issue. And I'm well, trying for not me, to go there, but. I'm like really. So what bothers me about this, which is no surprise to you, I'm sure, Ryan. But what bothers me is like nobody's fucking reading. Like, right, right. could you at least instead of just saying, "Hey, I have an intuition and I want to uh, follow this and and say it's fact," can you at least do some reading outside of the websites and mm. Facebook and you know do some real reading? Well, yeah, I research? mean, like, like, and that's the thing though is, I mean, I think that leads it too. It's not just that we've been ignorant; it's that we've gone like full on stupid with some of this stuff. You know, you've got people talking about, uh, I mean, Christians, like pastors talking about like, um, you know, like it's some kind of Chinese plot or whatever it is. And they're saying this like, one, what the hell are you talking about? Like turn off Infowars for a bit, you know? Um, And then if you try to like talk to people about, well, okay, but what if we listen to like the Centers for Disease Control? And (laughs) then that doesn't count, you know? And, And I think it's just like, there is a sense to staying in our lanes in terms of at least when it comes to like public health, you know, like theologians and pastors, all of those people are not the ones to decide public health things. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, we can be part of it in terms of helping people in public health crises and talking about how we can, you know, 
do all that kind of stuff. But in terms of what we should do, that'd be like someone asking me like, uh, gee, Ryan, what should we do about uh, COVID? And I'd say, you should ask someone who knows what the hell they're <laughs> yeah, talking exactly. about, you know? Um, and yeah. I, I, there's like something about not all pastors, of course, but I think you can find common in a lot of pastors, probably across the spectrum. But, uh, you know, speaking of the conservative world, because that's the one I still know the best, where they got to be right about everything. They got to mm -hmm. have an answer for everything, even things they don't have a fucking clue about. And right. in a reasonable world, nobody would expect them to. You know, I would, I, I love my pastor, but I would not ask her about what I should do <laughs> when it comes to public health things. Cause what yeah. does she know? You know? Yeah. So I don't, maybe I'm saying the same things over and over again, but it's just all of these things seem so tied up together. And, you know, I, I think like you said earlier, I guess they were all there, but what the pandemic did was like, it just made it go like from you know, kind of simmering to like boiling over yeah. because now like, you know, it's like, you know, like if you fry things, you want it to be like, a, you want it to be hot, but you want it to stay there. But if you let it get yeah. too hot, it either boils over or sets on fire. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. think what that's, what's happened here is like that stuff was boiling away or in some places it was simmering and some places it was a good rolling boil. And what the pandemic did is it's, we've got like a kitchen fire going on <laughs> right? because yeah. it, it stripped away any of the protections or, or ways we hid what was, was in our hearts and going on. Yeah. Um, you know, like, like calamity has a way of doing that to all of us, really showing what's really going on. Mm -hmm. for, the like, great revealer. Yeah. Individually or societally speaking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, like to tie this somewhat biblically, uh, there's problems with this and it's much more complicated, but it seems like that's what the exile did, right? The mm -hmm. exile was illuminating to God's people of mm -hmm. what, what is really at stake, what's really going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember very early on, a pastor said to me, we're going to discover what Christianity is really like in this uh -huh. pandemic. And we did. We really did. We did. We yep. did. At least American Christianity, as it's been defined, um, certainly through this year. But as yeah. we've said, the, the the boiling pot, it feels like a lot of the, and to use another metaphor that, you know, that old thing where if you want to cook a frog, you boil the water mm -hmm. around it. You know, it felt like that's what was going on for a while. But so many of us have felt the heat this past we've year. We've just exploded the crazy. frogs at this yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, but I think the tra the other tragedy of all of it is that, you know how we started talking about some really good things we've noticed is that those don't get noticed because the right. terrible things have been so terrible. Yeah. So like jaw dropping, so um, horrifying, shameful, whatever word you want to use is that nobody, nobody leaves this thing. Gee, I, I really like what uh, this church did about the food bank or whatever. What they leave is saying Christians are part of a damn death cult. Right. You know, yeah. and uh, in the past five years ago, I would have said that's ridiculous and argued with you about it. But these days it's like, yeah, I don't know what I there's yeah. maybe something there. Right. <laughs> you know, well, I want to um, get to the good stuff, but let's uh, let's kind of summarize a little bit here with two questions. And if you have another question, we can do that as well. But uh, the first question is, what has been the most surprising thing that you've noticed throughout this this year? I mean, I think the most surprising thing is, I wouldn't say, like we already talked about, it's not that I had no idea this stuff was going on in 
in the heart of the whole group and in individual hearts and sometimes myself included, sure. Um, some days more than others, but um, just that total like depraved selfishness that like I, I did not realize the extent that it was there. Like, I guess I thought it was like um, a broken leg and it turns out it's turns out it's like terminal cancer, you know? Yeah. Um, and I hope that's not, I hope that metaphor okay. isn't an apt one, but I think it might be. Uh, I think that's been what surprised me the most is just the depth of the problem. I knew it was a problem. I did not realize that we're, uh, we're at the hospice stage here to yeah. use an example yeah. from my daily life. For me, it was in kind. I'm going to just say f something very specific, which is the whole face mask thing just surprised mm -hmm. me. Like I, as you mentioned, when we were talking about it, it's a simple piece of paper or cloth over your face. Um, I noticed that my kids, they just wear it when we put it right. on, when we go out, they don't yeah. care. It's right. like, whatever. When I felt it the most is when we went down to Disney World uh, way early on, um, and it was so humid, I was sucking in water mm. through my mask. Yeah, it's not great. Yeah, it's not great. And then when I came up here to, to the northern area, it was uh, just, it didn't matter anymore. <laughs> it's like, right. at least it's not that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, we wore it the whole time we were there. Uh, yeah, I had to change my mask three or four times mm. a day when mm. I was down there, but uh, it was just so surprising. And I think it's surprising in the sense that you say, which is like, I realized compassion was a hard sell for Christians, mm -hmm. even though it shouldn't be. Which can we just pause for a second? <laughs> Do you realize what you just said? I mean, you're entirely right. I but know. We just said that, you know, the people who supposedly follow Jesus, I the know. example of compassion in terms of humanity, the, you know, like the most right. compassionate human who has ever lived. And you know, you say we we knew compassion was a problem for Christians. I know. Oh, uh, gosh. You know? And then, I mean, even there, and then as you say, looking at what happened this last year, it's like, oh, my goodness, not only is it a problem, but it is like so avoid. I mean, there's very little of it there. Mm -hmm. uh, I mm -hmm. will say that the congregation I lead, they mm -hmm. have been very good. We've been doing that. Uh, was there a little bit of struggle? Yeah. But once I just communicated, hey, this isn't a political thing. This is just being a human being and showing our compassion. Even the hardcore like neck wearers or chin strap people. Yes, they protect us from your chin. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they started wearing it uh -huh. all the way over. Well, yeah. I mean, like I did not mean to imply nobody's saying like, if you don't know how this works and you ask questions, great. Right. I'm not an epidemiologist. Yeah. I had to ask a lot of questions, still do. It's not that. It's that when given reliable data... <laughs> from people who know what the hell they're talking about. Right. Um, many people were still like, no, thanks. Cause I yeah. know better than these people for right. some way. Yeah. So the compassion was definite or lack of compassion was definitely the most surprising thing for me. And I'm still like reeling in that. I'm still, mm -hmm. I'm still not yeah. quite sure what to do with that. Cause it's just been so shocking. Right. Uh, a gut check is kind of how I feel about it. It's like, so I'm a pastor who, like, if I think about it, the reason why Christians call me to be a pastor is not to help them be better compassionate people to their neighbors and to realize what it looks like to love God, you know, the great commandment, but to tell them that they're okay and that their sins are forgiven and they don't really have to do anything 
to change. Hmm. That's what they want from me. And that's just, it's hard because I want to be somebody who looks to see compassion in the world. Um, so yeah, that's been hard. That's been the most surprising, uh, but it's not the most infuriating. Hmm. Uh, what's your most infuriating thing that's happened over the last year? The trend that you've seen that it has infuriated you the most? Boy, that's a tough one to choose. Because <laughs> I'm tempted to just say every fucking part no, of it. You no, know? you can't do that. Hey, that's this not is good as much my content. podcast as yours, sir. You don't get to just decide these things. Um, gee, which part has been the most infuriating? I think... I think the most infuriating part for me is maybe the the pastoral side of things because, you know, the way that so many pastors seem to have not taken care of the people they're supposed to pastor and not just like ignored them, but like done things that have actively put them in harm, like in harm's way, not just spiritual harm, which is always a danger when you're a pastor. Like even when you don't mean to, you can cause spiritual harm, right? But these many of these pastors have uh, not just spiritually harmed these their people, but have put them in harm's way, have resulted in people dying. And, you know, it's not like I'm tempted to just say they should know better, but it's deeper than that. It's like, what are you called to? Right. Like, who are you doing this for? Are you do are you a pastor? Because, you know, uh, most pastors aren't doing it for the money because most pastors don't get jets to fly around in. So, like, right. why are you doing this? And if it's for yourself or like the status or whatever it is, then please get out of it because you're not supposed to be here anyway. <laughs> right. Right. So I think that. I think because, you know, there's a place where I, I don't hesitate to apply James's thing about being held to a higher standard, because that's exactly the kind of thing he's talking about. Mm -hmm. Whether people should look to you or not in this kind of stuff, they do. So as a pastor, like the thing you need to do above everything else is make sure they're safe, you know, and if that means admitting I don't have a clue, so let's find out. Well, that's what you should do, you know. Um, so I think. All of it infuriates me, but I think that that part has infuriated me the most just because, um, you know, we trust these people with like, I don't, I don't mean we trust them with our souls because it's up to them. That's not what I mean, but these people are involved in care of souls, right? right. And they, many of them, again, not all, there's been some who've been wonderful, right? But there's been enough who just don't seem to care about that. And then I say, so why, like, it's like I say, well, how did we let so many shitheads be pastors? That's what I want to know. You know, I'm not even trying to make a joke. Like I really no, mean I that. Know. Like, yeah. gosh, you know, like plenty of pastors are wonderful, but there's plenty who are the opposite. And the, what we've seen is now to the point of getting people killed. Right. Yeah. That's a good one. I mean, I, I think I would put it in leadership as well, the power dynamic. To do to add something to that, what for me a big frustration has been that when I was growing up, I heard a lot. I even said at the beginning of the podcast that I heard a lot that the church is not a building. Mm -hmm. The church is its people. Mm -hmm. And COVID has said that 
basically all of that was a bunch of horseshit. Really gave us a chance to put our money where our mouth is, yeah. and we did not do it. And um, we didn't do it. And uh, the leadership angle of that, of course, is, hey, you still need to give us money. And there was that spiritual abuse. and Which it makes it even worse, by the way. If right. money's the yeah. reason, that's even worse. Right. And I would also say, like, I'm not mad at people necessarily. I'm mad at what happened because, you know, people did what they've been taught. Mm -hmm. But, you know, congregation after congregation has basically just fallen apart because we have this social contract that we've said we're going to be together to in this building. And that's pretty much all we've done. Like, yeah, it's to do other stuff, certainly to worship, to, you know, have our clubs or whatever. But really, the agreement of the church has been just extended so far to say, we agree to be together in this building. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have a building, then we agree to be together until we get a building, and then we'll be in that building. That means that lives have just fallen apart, especially with people who are not connected to the church um, and to the people, really. That's what I mean by church, not the congregation, right. the the building. And it's just, it's made me so upset, so frustrated, so angry to see that what we've created is a, a dependency on a building rather mm -hmm. than an interdependency between people. Right. And COVID has just torn apart lives. And I've talked about this. I'm not the one that's originated this, but we're going to be dealing with this for at least five years. And if you just take that one thing about the church, we got to rebuild the church into that direction and say, no, it's about the people who cares where we're worshiping, who cares if we're worshiping, mm -hmm. because now we have technology. I can do it from my home and you right. can watch it from home and it can look pretty much as good as it does inside of a church building. Not to mention, which it's nice to go to church in your sweatpants. Yeah, exactly. You know, I yeah. will say that. I'll miss that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, that's been a really infuriating thing. It's a little bit like uh, it's got that leadership component. It's got the long-term effects. Like we finally get what we've been preaching for so long. Uh, not preaching, uh, living. Because right. <laughs> we've been preaching that it's not a building. But uh, I've had people who've left the congregation because I'm not focusing on making sure the building's okay. Well, you know, That's... buildings don't get sick. <laughs> perhaps you should. Perhaps they're uh, confused about that. Uh, you know, people's theology. You know, the theology of the church by its fruit. And mm -hmm. I think COVID, if anything, has taught us that the fruit is is rancid. Yeah. It's not good fruit that we've gotten from this. Christian project in America these yeah. last few decades. I mean, your theology, whatever it is, means fuck all if this is how you respond to this kind of crisis. I don't care what anybody's theology, not yours specifically, I mean mm -hmm. anybody's, if your theology could be quote unquote perfect, good luck. But let's just say it is, it doesn't matter because, you know, what happens now is like you said, we don't have a we don't have a tree full of fruit. We got a like our we got like a rotten um bush that somebody's thrown in the dumpster i know you know it's just if we're lucky maybe we should set it on fire i don't know. i'm i'm not like i i worried when we were talking about this about being too harsh but honestly i don't care i mean i i think it's too we're so past the point where you know we're not at theological disagreement here we're at people's lives so yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else do you say? You know, like that's where the non-plus part comes in. It's just like, I just continually find myself with like, I hear this or see these kind of things. And I'm just like, what is the world? Like, what is going on right now? Mm-hmm. You know, especially from, and I'm not talking about my family or any of the churches I've been at like specifically, but like this world is the one that taught me to be compassionate. This right. this faith is the one that taught me to to um, put others' needs above my own. And then we get to this, and it's just like uh, actually that that was all a fucking lie. Yeah, it, all of it, none of it was true, and that's been really hard to accept. Um, like really hard. It's it's sad too. I'm not just angry. Like I'm so sad yeah, about devastating. This. Like it's it's it's. Like, I, I guess maybe I'm in the anger stage of grieving. I don't know. Um, but it's just like such sadness that this, this, like, it's like when you, um, uh, when you peel an orange, you know, and then you find inside it's rotten and you can't tell outside it. They've painted it, you know, it looks orange, it looks great. And then you open it and you're like, well, throw this in the trash. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's how it is. I know that's another fruit metaphor, but I'm just trying to say like, yes, I'm angry, but I'm also just so sad. Like, yeah. this is so like, we're going to talk in a minute about some really good things we've seen the church do, but like, think what we could have done, like the opportunities that this gave right. us to not just like look better, although we could have done that too. Of course, talk about Barcelo, you could trip over it. But I mean, like <laughs> the opportunities we had to actually help people. I mean, we had 20 million people unemployed or whatever it was at one point. And what if instead of putting all the energy, taking all the energy we put into uh, science, kooky science denial, and instead we helped people find jobs or worked at the food bank or whatever it was. And I just feel like we've squandered such huge opportunities um, to really yeah. be compassionate in the way that Christ wants us to be. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, what I started to think about as we transition into good stuff is you know, we're reading through the uh, the Hebrew scriptures in our in our church and you know, there's this idea literarily how do you say that literarily? The, literarily <laughs> I don't know. In no, the that literature, sound right. Anyway, for a literary trope, mm-hmm. let's say there seems to be a, a high dependency on divine irony um, mm. where, hey, you want this? Okay, here you mm. go. And a good example would be the people complain about going into the promised land. Mm. They're like, oh, there are all these enemies. Let's I don't go back to Egypt. And he's yeah. like, you know what? You want it? Okay, you're going to wander the desert for 40 years. You're going to get exactly what you want. Now, I... We don't need to go into interpretation there, but I also wonder, like, you know, Christians have for so long said the world hates Christianity, especially American Christianity. And they've been saying it for so long, and maybe this is like one of those divine ironies, like, hey, you wanted it. I mean, here it, you go. I don't think it was true before, but... If- <laughs> I didn't think it was true before either. And but now I I'm think, starting to wonder. I'm just saying, no, I mean, like post COVID reality. Yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, I don't think it's ever been true in the way that most have meant it. Right. I'm not saying there's nobody that hates Christians. Of course there are. But yeah. I think uh, we're working real hard to deserve that now. Exactly. And uh, that's, well, take your pick. Tragic. All of those things. Sad, yeah. Sad, so yeah. let's talk about... Yes, please, what, because I need to be in a better mood. It's my boyfriend's what, birthday today. <laughs> well, uh, you said, what's that... Uh, what What can we do? 
So we're not going to, of course, you've listened to this podcast long enough. Ryan and I have talked long enough. We know that we're not going to solve anything here, but um, well, let's. This, yeah, you don't want yeah, me to solve this right. one. <laughs> let's approach the question by starting with what has worked well for you as a Christian over this COVID period? What has what has grown your faith? What has grown your connection to God, to other people? What has spurred on your compassion uh, or the compassion in, in your life that you've yeah. seen from other people? I think one of the things, and we sort of talked about this before, but I have found when communities, whatever faith community it was, whether it was a specific church or denomination or whatever, when they've had to really wrestle with their theology and come up with a way to not just like do it differently, but to even like conceive of it differently with the goal of keeping people safe, right? Like that's how theology should work. Like theology is supposed to help us. Like it should be, it, this may, I don't know if this sounds right, but like we should not be serving theology, right? Mm. In, in a sense, like our theology should help us serve God. I mean, that's not even, sense. that's how, that's how it should be. And yeah. God wants us to serve each other. And so it's been really beautiful to watch like, you know, people figuring out how to do communion virtually when they thought they couldn't do it or, you know, physically or figuring out ways to meet outdoors and do all these kind of things so that they can meet people's needs, but in a way that's safe. So like, I have seen some of that and and that has been like a a very tiny, but very real oasis (laughs) in, in this time, you know, of like, it's not even so much about like, any of us or any of them, I should say any of them doing things perfectly. It's about people trying to help, you know, and that has really encouraged me, you know, seeing uh, all the churches that did shut their services down, even to the point of like financial hardship and all of that stuff, mm-hmm. like, because it was more important to keep people alive. And and that, that has been very encouraging. Like, I know I, I ranted a lot in the first part about how, you know, it, it was so terrible and it was, but there were also lots who did it right. But they, uh, I don't know the data. It seems like not as many, you know, but um, like I have been really encouraged by by that is that there are some Christians out there who've taken this seriously and have been forced to say like, okay, so what does it mean to be the church when all we've got is Zoom or, or whatever? You know, mm-hmm. like she's been some really neat stuff like my church has done in terms of like groups meeting over Zoom and then finding ways to pray over Zoom and like all kinds of stuff. And it's mm-hmm. it's not like efficient. It's not like anybody's preference, but you still made found a way to be the church. So I think in those cases, it's been really encouraging of like that's how theology should work. That's how it should function. That's what we should try to do in our churches. And you know, on the good side of things, this global pandemic did result in some of that in some really neat and I think very beautiful ways. Hmm. So you've seen some, uh, not just adjusting the circumstances, but letting that adjustment drill deeper into how Christians talk with one another, how they talk about God, how they live their life. Well, Is and... That- Yeah. And their theology pushing them to serve other people, right? Like, and maybe it had that intent before, but this really made you do it, you know, like, um, 
Nobody wants to do drive-through communion, right? But the people who right. did that was them finding a way to meet the needs of their people in a way that kept them safe and helped other people, you know? Or um, I think like my, uh, who was it? Somebody's church, I can't remember who it was, at the beginning of this when there were no masks around, you know, they sewed a whole bunch of cloth, cloth masks and sent them to hospitals because at the yeah. time that was better than nothing. And like, that's the kind of stuff where it's like, you, you know, uh, I, I can't sports metaphor, but that was the home run that you hit, right? <laughs> like you had the chance and you knocked it out of the park. Mm. Um, so like those kind of things have been very encouraging because it shows that like, no, we do have compassion and we do want to help. And, you know, um, it's given us ways that, and not just help, but I mean, it's one thing to support the food bank anytime. It's another thing to support it when 20 million people are suddenly out of work because nobody mm -hmm. can go to restaurants or whatever it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So if we were to extend that, what would that look like? Or what can we do with COVID? Like, well, I mean, wait, you, you have to say something encouraging oh, you okay. saw first. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Something encouraging well something that's encouraging that happened to me personally is that covid acted as a disruptor for me um i had to pretty much change everything i did almost overnight it was within a week or so we had to get all the equipment to be able to do things from home uh, we canceled services i think it was for two weeks that we didn't do anything at all uh, and then it was like okay well <laughs> That's not going to be sustainable. We got right. to do something else. Yeah. Uh, but uh, after that busy period of adjusting, I realized, oh, um, I'm not as busy as I used to be because the future was vague. We didn't really know much about the future. Visitation wasn't possible. So I found myself with a lot of time and... I started to think, what can I do with my time? And I first did what I think all of us did, which was, well, let's just do the stuff that we would normally do and fill it out online. So mm -hmm. I would do Bible studies. I would do this, that, or the other, and it'd just be full, fully online. And then I looked to see our engagement. It was abysmal. So I'm like, oh, I'm wasting all this time doing stuff that nobody cares about. So how do I adjust? And it was just in that moment, uh, which was, you know, a few months, uh, what happened to me personally is I got a lot more patient. I got a lot more calm. Uh, things were a lot less noisy. And really, it was weird. It was a lot more clear of what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't have like a five point structure or plan of how to do all that stuff, but I didn't even know what it all entailed. But I did know that, you know, a lot of the pre COVID stuff isn't going to be stuff that I'm doing anymore. Right. Like it does I'm not have gonna... a way of stripping off the unnecessary yeah. things, doesn't it? Yeah. It was really quite neat. It's also a weird feeling. Uh, and it'll be weird when people start bringing that stuff up again, because, you know, it'll just be part of our processing of post COVID reality. Uh, but for, so a really small example, uh, is that we were having three services before COVID and there was no way we needed three services. Mm -hmm. We didn't have the people to do that, 
but culturally at some point we did. And so it just got ensconced within. And it's always a delicate thing that you had to do. Well, when we started talking about what service going to look like after COVID, it's like, well, why, why do we need to go back to doing three services? Is there any real reason why? And everybody is like, no, no, there's not. Before, if it was just, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever, people would say, well, yeah, because of this, that, and the other. And it's, no, it's just because it's your routine and that's what you wanted to do. And uh, so that's a really minor example, but just stuff like that over and over again, just started to become not important. Um, I've actually, for the first time in my life, really enjoyed reading the Bible. Mm. As silly as that is, What's I've always secret? enjoyed theology. <laughs> What's your secret? I need, <laughs> you know, other people want to know. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I, I found reading it, the message is what I read mm. to really enjoy it because it feels much more fluid. And frankly, who gives a damn? I mean, it mm. works just fine for mm. a Bible. Now, nope. I don't preach nope. out of that. It's but. worthless. Throw it in the trash. <laughs> um but it's really kind of neat to see that. And I'm able to engage with the narrative in a way that I haven't before. Uh, yeah. So for me, it's just been a moment of growth in my faith, I would mm. say. And the reason why COVID is the uh, catalyst for that is it's just served as a disruption to get me away from the stuff that I was focusing on. And of course, the time component always helps, which is one of those disruptions I needed. I'm no longer concerned about making sure I can convince people that I'm spending eight hours a day working. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, come on. <laughs> I mean, if, I, if I've got to spend time doing that, then we're, we've got wildly different um, metrics, if you will, yeah. or whatever for, for the job. Yeah. So for me, it's just been really nice to pause and to think about things differently. I'm already clearly somebody who's going to be trying to do things differently, but to have that opportunity to do that for myself in terms of my faith life has been really good. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, sort of related as you were talking, it made me think of um, just like personally something that has been part of this for me is I've talked a lot on here about how fear has been something I've struggled with my whole life, you know, still do in some ways. And, some in lots of ways, you know. Yeah. And let's just say that this, like I said, airborne death disease has been, especially at the beginning when we didn't know as much about how it yeah. worked. You yeah. remember at the beginning we weren't they didn't know for sure if you could get it from surfaces or not. Right. So yeah. I mean I was I was sanitizing the doorknobs like eight times an hour and like taking my <laughs> temperature like five times a day. And yeah. you know, all this kind of, every time you didn't feel good, you're like feeling your forehead and you're like, oh gosh, right? this is yeah. it. Right. <laughs> and then to put on top of that, I work in a job where I'm going to nursing homes and um now that eventually mostly shut down, but you know, I've had people I've seen that had COVID not a lot because most places wouldn't let me in, but I have, and that was hard. <laughs> that was pretty damn scary, you know, but it, it, I was able to do it. Well, now it's cause I'm vaccinated. Praise the Jesus. That makes a huge <laughs> difference. Um, not so scared anymore, you know, but yeah, was able to do it not because of like anything of myself. It wasn't like I just woke up and said, I'm not going to be scared anymore because if that works, my life would have been very different. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but I remember being like, like 
the first, I think the first time I had to go and see someone who had COVID, you know, and I had said beforehand that I wasn't going to not go, even though that was scary, as long as I had all the stuff and I had all mm-hmm. the PPE and everything. But I was like sitting in the parking lot and I was like, what if I just pretended, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody's going to know because I don't, I really don't want to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so I just remember saying, okay, God, I don't think I can do this. Please keep me safe and help me out. And then I did. And I never got COVID. And I'm not saying that God necessarily miraculously prevented it, although I suppose that's possible. It's more that this experience has really forced me. I was going to say helped me, but really it's forced me to to trust God in new mm-hmm. ways. Um, because... I mean, you know, as someone who's anxious and worries about everything, I hadn't even considered this one because even my anxious brain hadn't come up with something as right, terrible yeah. as as this, you know, a disease that can kill anyone from be just being spread through the air and, you know, all, all this stuff. Yeah. Even my, even Ryan's anxious brain didn't imagine, like, honestly, <laughs> if you saw this on like a sci-fi movie, you'd be like, well, that's a bit much, isn't it? Like, yeah. you'd think the writers had just kind of like thrown everything in the blender, but no, that was life. So anyway... I mean, to sum all of it up, there's probably more I could say, but I want to emphasize it wasn't that like I did something great as much as God really helped me trust more. Yeah. Which one of the things I learned is that that doesn't mean I'm not afraid, you know, like being worrying about, in this case, catching COVID or being afraid of that doesn't mean that you can't or don't trust God. It just is part of being human, you know, mm-hmm. but what, what, where God came in is like, kept me safe, but also helped me do what I needed to do. So I think, I think that's the, the, one of the biggest things I've learned from all of this is yeah. How to depend on God more. Yeah. That's cool. What I've noticed, and maybe this is a way forward in post COVID reality is that if we do focus on as, as much as, you know, I, I talked about what frustrated and angered me, the positive that I've seen in my congregation, the people in my congregation, is that those who are willing to really double down on the reality that the church is for the people and that the church is the people, those are the people worth casting your lots into. Mm-hmm. Uh, that Those are the people worth doing ministry for. Uh, those who want to actively take care of people and orient their faith around that care and that reality. We're in a rebuilding period in our congregation because of that, because we've had to lose all the stuff and the whatever that we carried from post-COVID. Are we done with that? Of course not. It's not a pretty and and easy (laughs) process, but we are making those steps, important steps to say, it matters more how you're feeling about this, how you're going through this, than accomplishing X goal. Mm -hmm. it matters more that we're gathering together and just worshiping God and worshiping with each other than growing our congregation, mm-hmm. right? It's just something as simple as that. We're moving away from those conversations. My my job, of course, is to keep it so that we stay away from those conversations. But I think that as we move into whatever reality looks like, Doing so with people who see the church not as a building, but as folks, as people trying to figure it out, and doing the stuff that you said at the beginning, which was the curiosity and and trying to figure out new ways of how your theology can actually look 
because help people. Yeah, this is a world-changing event in in every sense of the word. Not only has it changed our world physically and culturally, but it's changing our world theologically as well and how we have to adjust. And for me, I actually have some sort of hope. I think a lot of evangelicalism is going to die or at least transfer into a political movement or something like that. But Christ is still going to do what he's going to do. The Spirit's still going to work within his people. It's just going to look a lot different than it did. And I think, honestly, if I have, I do have some hope. And this is going to sound snarky, but for once in my life, I don't mean it this way. Like, I promise. I guess one thing that gives me hope is that we really have nowhere to go but up from here. Mm. Like, And I'm not even being an ass. Like, I really mean that. I shouldn't say that because I'm tempting fate, right? Like, yeah. Gosh, I 2020 keep, has I, taught you better, right? I should know that we're, I keep thinking we're out of barrel bottoms and then we keep finding even yeah, deeper ones. But, yeah. um, but really, I mean, I think there is an opportunity here in the sense of we've really, <laughs> the collective we have yeah. really fucked this up. So, all right, well, then we shouldn't struggle to know with how to help people, right? How to repent and how to um, start trying to do better. And thankfully, as you said, it's not really up to us. Like God is still in control in whatever way God is in control. God still is. Um, And God has plans and will help us do all these things. But, um, you know, first I've said before, for me, we do have some agency in that. And so all we can yeah. do is better. I hope. I really hope. You know. Um, so anyway, or at the, maybe what I should say is we have a big opportunity to do better here, yeah. um, and I hope that we take that. I hope that we uh, ask the hard questions and 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 repent of the things we need to repent of and and work do the work that needs to be done. I guess I'm still hopeful that maybe that can happen. I mean, I I really do think that there is, there are no dry bones that the spirit can't put life back into. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like you said, I don't know if that means evangelicalism is going to uh, be good again <laughs> or whatever, or maybe not. Maybe it's on its way out, and you know something else will be born out. I don't know, but regardless, I, I really do have hope that even in all of this, God can work good out of it. Which, side note, is not me saying God caused it. Because if I had a dime for every time I had to talk about that with somebody, you know, like, oh, my God, no, I don't want that God. You can keep him. Anyway, um, but in all of it, I really do believe God will work things for good. God will work good out of all of it in whatever way that God does that. Yeah. And, like, if I were to throw my ring into that, my hat into that ring, it would be to say, Really, anyone who's listening to this podcast and kind of nodding along, you're probably part of that. Mm-hmm. I would say certainly you're a part of that because if I were to be in the business of prediction, which I'm not because that's a foolish uh, area to be in, I would say that those who are on what we call the frontier, there's people who call this, you know, uh, close to heresy and so on and so forth. There's all these different words for it. Uh, or phrases for it. Those are the folks I think that are going to be helping us reform the church in, in every sense of the word, reform it, reform it, uh, change it, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. My hope uh, is that this disaster we call 2020 COVID and probably be COVID because it's not going to be contained to 2020, but I hope it's, it is a catalyst, not only for my personal faith throughout this last nine months, but well, almost a year, 
but that it's also a catalyst for change in the church. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably a good place to stop for this particular episode. Thanks for listening with us. And um, I guess the way forward as much as we ever have one is just to look for those ways that we can all do better. And because none of us have done it perfectly and there's always new ways to help people. And I guess that's what we all have to look for. Thankfully, I really do believe that God will help us find those things. As I said earlier, I, I do think that God will work good at, even out of, even after the rolling catastrophe that's been the last few years. Thanks for listening, like I said, and being with us on the frontier. Uh, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us um, or anything you'd like us to talk about, or if you wanted to share a part of your story with us, um, let us know at uh, frontierfaithpodcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you. Oh, and rate us, please. Rate us very well. Five stars would be great. Um, yeah, I think that's I think that's good. So thanks for listening. And it's going to be okay. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And God will take care of us. Bye.